Welcome to welcome, welcome. Out of Our Skull, episode 13. Lucky number 13. <laughs> it is Friday, too. It's episode 13 on a Friday. It is. Well, we're, we're recording on a Friday. We're recording on a Friday. This will this go up summer. tomorrow, July yeah. 1st. But, um, but It's not Friday the 13th. No, but we're, we're trying to make it that way. That's right. As much as we can, because we love our horror. That's right. And our luck. And we're spooky and we're ooky. We're ooky and we're spooky. <laughs> we're creepy and we're kooky. And this is our political podcast that features a local news set, a local news segment. Segment. Thank you on Carolina news and then national news, of course, United States. Yeah, I don't States. think I have any international news this 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 time around. We got plenty to talk about. We got plenty about. to talk about though. So, um, shall we just... We shall. Ready? Let's go into local Carolina news. So, it is almost summer. July. <laughs> and summer is heating up. It already headed up. When you, yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, it, it is scorcher. hot out there. It's scorcher. It, it's yucky. I've been in the state for half my life. I still am not used to the yeah. humidity. But why are we talking about weather? Climate change, an independent group of journalists and scientists that study how climate change is affecting our nation, found small increases in the average summer temperature, but more frequent occurrences of extremely hot days. Raleigh now averages around 18 to 19 more days a year with highs of 95 or higher than in 1970. Charlotte averages 10, 11 to 12 days more a year with highs of 95 or, or higher. Greensboro averages about two to three days more a year. Climate models show more, much more of North Carolina outside the mountains and immediate coast could average between 25 to 50 days a year with a high of 100 or higher by 2100. By the year... By the year 2100. 2100. Yeah. It's not going to hit 2100. Let's hope not. Well, until the sun explodes. These extremely hot days will put more of a strain on electrical grid as ACs run longer and keep homes and businesses cool. Heat injuries will increase due to heat exhaustion and heat stroke. Hotter days also trap more pollution in the air, creating problems for anyone with respiratory problems like asthma. But as we all know, climate change is a Chinese hoax. Um, so Oh, the Chinese did it? I thought the left wing... It depends people. on what day of the week it or is. Or wasn't it Obama? It was scientists. Scientists are lying. Okay. But facts have a very liberal bias. But it is really hot outside, though. Yes, but it's summer. It's supposed to be hot. Oh, right, right, It doesn't right, matter right. that we had absolutely no significant snowfall this past winter. I can't remember any significant. I think we had one day. Of... I don't think we had one day. I think we had a few flakes overnight. I think we had, yeah. Oh, wait, no. We did. We had the one day. I stand corrected. We did have the one day because that it was, took my daughter sledding. That's right. Yes. And it was gone by about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. But hey, it's all a hoax perpetrated by facts and <laughs> the climate itself. Yeah. And scientists. So the the summer's heating up is a national, well, it's a world problem. Um, and you know. But I pulled this and put it in the Carolina news because of the specificity. Specificity. specificity, yeah. Of, specificity. Of the... That's a word. <laughs> specificity. specificity. It is actually. I have been drinking. As of I. <laughs> um, and you know, people don't realize it. We're very spoiled. We, uh, you know, we come home and there's air conditioning. 
and I have a fan that's blasting on me all night because like we yeah. have refrigeration. Right. You know, um, not everybody in the world has that, believe it or not. So this and, and not everybody even in this country has that. There are plenty of houses out here that are relying on wall units to, to control or, or to do air conditioning or fans. Mm-hmm. And um, if you are having trouble, I will say there are a couple of agencies that are doing free fan day for elderly people. Oh, that's cool. Um, so check our Facebook page. I'm going to try and find information on that and link it. But I do know that I think Cabarrus County is doing a free fan day for elderly people. Because they realize that the summer is a scorcher, and Absolutely. this is this is dangerous mm-hmm. for certain people. And I'm getting to the point where having air conditioning on every day is becoming unaffordable. Yeah, it's it's a costly thing, um, and you know it limits your time outside. It limits your exercise outside. I try and walk outside, and it's just it's miserable. So, but it's all hoax. Well, more about um, pinch yourself, you'll wake up. The climate, and more, more importantly, our water. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Company, <laughs> go ahead. Company removing. Oh, I worded this wrong. A company says it will remove an unregulated chemical from wastewater that's been dumped into the Cape Fear River in North Carolina for more than thirty-five years. <laughs> How's it going to do that? <laughs> Camors of Wilmington, Delaware said on June 20th, it will capture the Gen X chemical and dispose of it. Okay, I'm sorry. Gen X just sounds like something from a comic book. That turned... No, that's what that's what turned the Powerpuff Girls into, into the Powerpuff Girls. It was Chemical X. It was Chemical, oh, yeah, it was it was chemical, chemical X. X. But Gen, Gen X. Gen just, X? Yeah, it wasn't Gen X. But that sounds like something that Professor Xavier would like be sending the X-Men off to fight, you know. But apparently this is an actual chemical and it's in our wastewater. North Carolina Environmental Quality Secretary Michael Regan said on June 20th, the company's move is a step in the right direction. But Regan Regan said his agency and the Department of Health and Human Services will continue to investigate the chemical in the water. A spokeswoman for the EPA said it was, we will determine whether Chemors, is it Chemors? Chemours, I want to say Chemours, C-H-E-M-O-U-R-S, is in compliance with regulations at a plant upstream in Fayetteville. Um, I have to say this the same week, it's not on our list of national news, but um, Trump had actually, was rolling back water safety regulations because, you know, Obama increased them and we don't want clean water, do we? I'll have to probably put that on the, on the notes for the next podcast. Okay. Um, but I do know he was attempting to roll back the clean water statutes because we don't really need clean water, do we? Um, and and no, here's I a mean, chemical that's been dumped into our water, into the wastewater for 35 years, and it's completely unregulated. So when you say well, there's too many regulations, this is a completely unregulated chemical that's being dumped in the water for decades. In the Cape Fear water, which is a... a a famous yeah body of water yeah um yeah good luck with people on that side of the state yeah so apparently this uh came to me via facebook and then i researched it after north carolina has some pretty archaic consent laws um 
because of a 1979 state Supreme Court ruling that has never been overturned, and we'll get to the overturning here in just a moment, continuing to have sex with someone who consented and then backed out is not considered rape in North Carolina. So this means if you consent to have sex with somebody and then they suddenly turn violent and attempt to rip your hair out, which is one of the rape cases that this ruling was used against. Or or beat you. Yeah, or beat you or attempt to film you when you have said no filming. Correct. Um, or play the switcheroo with the partner. Yeah, it is not considered rape. Once you have consented, apparently, you cannot non-consent to mm -hmm. sex. So I guess that means I'm lucky all the times that I've had sex with a partner and for whatever reason, wasn't going well, things turned painful or, or I don't know, for whatever reason, I asked that the sex end. Yeah. And I guess I've been lucky that those You've partners have respected my opinion. Yeah. The case in question Are here, you fucking serious? I'm serious. The case in question was a young lady who um, consented to have sex with uh, an army officer. Oh my gosh. Um, but then he started to rip her hair out. And she asked him to stop. And he basically told her, don't fight. Calm down. Just relax. And then she noticed that someone had was sticking a camera under the door and filming oh my god but this was not considered rape even though she had asked him to stop and oh even though god, he was a hurting her experience and filming her without her consent this was not considered rape this was a misdemeanor charge oh my gosh that is terrible it's it's and, archaic and earlier this year i read about senate bill 553 yes that jeff jackson proposed to overturn this law. And this is the second time he's proposed it. And it's it is not being considered this year. He is That's going to attempt to he's going to put forward next year again in the hopes that they'll reevaluate this art this law. There is no reason that it should not be overturned. This, this is yeah. Who is for this law? I <laughs> have no idea. I have no idea. I mean Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, I know. There's... It's it's when I read this, I was like I live in this state. This is this is a danger to me. This is a complete danger to me. Um, and I started questioning why I live in this state. The North Carolina law is an example of how the U.S. legal system has not always kept pace with evolving ideas about rape, rape, sex, and consent. Just last year, an Oklahoma court ruled that the state's forcible sodomy statute did not criminalize oral sex with a victim who is completely unconscious. The toughest charge available to prosecutors was unwanted touching. Oh my gosh. So yes, in Oklahoma, if someone is passed out, you can actually... Right, I did know yeah. that because they yeah. can't say no. Yeah, they can't say and no. And that's their case. Their case if, they, that you... if that person cannot say no, it's not rape. Yeah, and that is that is completely and utterly ridiculous. If you're knocked unconscious, of course you can't say no. If you are unconscious, of course you can't say no. If you're drugged, of course you can't say no. You're fucking unconscious. And it just gives rapists more reason to to, to knock somebody unconscious. Right, to knock somebody and unconscious. And to put something in their drink. Yeah. In this case, it's be nice for 10 minutes and see if she'll give in. And then you can do whatever the fuck you want because it's not considered rape anymore because she said yes. <laughs> well, there's this group uh, which helps law enforcement pursue cases of sexual violence called... A equat, equitus. Equitus. Yeah, equitus. A equitus. A, yeah. Um, a former prosecutor, John Wilkinson, said, It's absurd. 
I don't think you could find anyone today to agree with this notion that you cannot withdraw consent. People have right to control their own bodies. If sex is painful or for whatever reason, they have the right to change their mind. And this isn't even, I mean, we're not even talking something gets violent. Sometimes when you're in the heat of things, you don't recognize that your partner is uncomfortable. Yeah. And if she's like, okay, wait a minute, I'm cramping, or wait a minute, this is actually starting to hurt. Right. Stop. Mm-hmm. This, you know, just because she said yes to begin with does not give you the leave to do whatever the fuck you want. It, it, this is just. This is a women's issue. This is a health issue. This is a societal issue. And not, it's not just a women's issue either. I mean, if you're a, if, if you're gay. And oh, that's true. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you, you don't think about it, but men can actually be raped too. But, you know, saying yes doesn't mean that you're agreeing to every little thing that your partner wants to do to you. It's just, this is, and I can't believe that Jeff Jackson has to reintroduce this a right. third time to get it overturned. Yeah. You would think the first time they would look at this and go, oh yeah, yeah, common sense. Let's get this off our books. Yeah, absolutely. And this poor woman. Yeah. And many other women and families yeah. and men uh, have been devastated and frustrated by the prosecution regarding this law. Yeah, for it, years, since 1979. That's almost 40 years. Um, it's just, it's ridiculous. Um, so we'll be keeping an eye on that. And thank you, Jeff Jackson, for actually trying to get this off the goddamn books. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing oh. that you have to work that hard for it. I'm, I'm baffled. Completely baffled. Well, let's go to our national news. Yes. The Shakespeare, a Shakespeare play has created controversy. <laughs> controversy. Yes, the Public Theater in New York um, was performing a production of Julius Caesar for Shakespeare in the Park. This is a free play. You you know it's it's done outside in Central Park, um, open to the public. In this production, Caesar is portrayed as an eagle-driven populace with fluffy blonde hair, a gold bathtub, and a rather leggy Slovenian wife. So obviously, they were patterning. Julius Caesar on Donald Trump. While his name was never mentioned, the production faced severe backlash after photos of the Trumpian Caesar's assassination were published. Some screamed that the play condoned the assassination of Trump, even though it is a 400-year-old play and has <laughs> been a political play since its writing. Several protesters stormed the stage, and police are investigating threatening calls made to the director's family. Yeah, so people took offense to this because they don't get that, you know, it's Julius Caesar, and this actually happened to Julius Caesar. Right, they didn't make up the assassination part. No. They made up, <laughs> they made, sure, they, they did the costuming. Yeah, uh, to, they took portrayed him as a specific character. Um but it's a it's a play it's a shakespeare play um and unfortunately because of the backlash sponsors including delta and bank of america pulled their sponsorship of the production and sadly the nea the national endowment for the arts distanced themselves from the play perhaps because they are fighting for their existence in this trump administration you would think fighting for your existence in the trump administration you might want to actually you know sponsor this but apparently not <laughs> 
Shakespearean companies as far as Massachusetts were receiving caustic emails and voicemails from people mistakenly assuming they had roles in the show. I know, no fucking, no, I'm not joking on this. People were just looking for Shakespearean troops and just sending them emails and sending nasty voicemails because anything Shakespeare apparently was related to this Julius Caesar play that was done in New York. Um, Shakespeare wrote dozens of plays. Also... <laughs> <laughs> New York is one state of 50. <laughs> Shakespeare may be one of the most well-known, like that name yeah. is widely recognized. <laughs> come, come on. Um, the theater community has struggled with the changing government. With Barack Obama, we had a president that would often attend Broadway shows and was a sponsor of the arts. Trump does not seem to share his predecessor's enjoyment of the theater. <laughs> There have been many politicians mimicked by productions of Julius Caesar, including Obama, Clinton, yes. and Reagan. Yeah, so I, I don't remember having people storm the stage and send threatening phone calls to directors when Obama was portrayed as Julius Caesar. And yes, that happened. Um, it's a political play. They do this all the time. I have seen productions where it was set in World War II. I have seen productions where it was set... I have seen a production where it was a Ronald Reagan-esque character that was portrayed as Julius Caesar. It's a directorial decision. If you don't like it, you can walk away from the play. It's not that hard, people. But no, storming the stage and threatening the director is not the way to go about this. No. And it just makes you seem stupid. It really does. It really does. I want to make a lot of dumb... Uh, right-wing jokes but i mean but this is this is a willful effort a, yeah they know who shakespeare is they have to they're just what is this they're it's just playing games ignorance. right now yeah I, I don't cnn actually had um a local author aj hartley who writes novelizations of some shakespeare plays and he has done um extensive study of shakespeare they had him on to discuss the, and their their questions were, is Julius Caesar a, a, a political play? I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? It's about the assassination of a political figure because he wasn't listening to his, his the people around him. It's like, it's been a political play since, you know, Shakespeare wrote it. It was political when Julius Caesar was stabbed. I don't know. This isn't Romeo and Juliet. It's just... It was ridiculous. <sighs> and just, again... Almost as ridiculous as a wedding planner being appointed. <laughs> to... Lynn Patton. Yeah, sorry. That's okay. Lynn Patton, a longtime associate of President Trump's family, has been appointed head of the Department of Housing and Urban Development, New York and New Jersey offices. Patton, who organized golf tournaments on Trump, Trump courses and planned <laughs> his son's Eric's wedding... We'll soon oversee billions of federal dollars. <laughs> yeah, I'm laughing. I'm laughing through my tears. Patton had been working as a senior advisor and director of public engagement at HUD for Ben Carson. Before that, Patton had no experience in housing policy. I'm pretty sure she still doesn't have any experience in housing policy because <laughs> Ben Carson has no experience in housing policy. The appointment fits a pattern. His daughter, Trump's daughter and son-in-law, Jerry Kushner, work in the White House. Dan Scavino Jr., who is Trump's caddy, is the director of social media. <laughs> oh, God. that's a winner. Trump's longtime bodyguard, bodyguard Keith Schiller, 
has become such an important White House figure that he hand-delivered the dismissal papers to James Comey, the head of the FBI. (laughs) Representative Grace Meng, a Democrat from New York, demanded the immediate removal of Ms. Patton, saying, This is not The Apprentice. The federal government is not your personal patronage system. I love that. So do I. Oh... Grace. <laughs> I Ms. gotta follow her on Twitter right away. Miss Patton secedes Holly Leicht, who came to the job after working for Parks Advocacy Groups and in the city's Department of Housing Preservation and Development. So she's following someone who actually had experience in the job. Um, and well, apparently her experience is choosing flatware for weddings. I wonder what flatware she'll be putting in public housing. Now, it does take a lot of work to be a wedding planner. It does. But it's not it's at not all related to housing. Housing and urban development. And again, this is... I, I don't want to be this person to bring this up, but I think in Trump's head, he sees the word urban, and he goes for the only person of color who is around him. He did this with Ben Carson, and now he's doing it with her. And it's like, just because they're they're black does not mean they're urban it i i don't but that seems to be the thing with him plus it's cronyism it's like oh you helped with my son's wedding let me find something for you to do in my white house yeah it's it's nepotism um we'll see we'll see i hope holly leicht is is happy to move on to better things better things yes and um well i hope lynn Patton can find some nice curtains for those public housing Anyway, so John Oliver, <laughs> John Oliver takes on coal and gets sued. <laughs> I have such a crush on John Oliver. So do I. Um, I love how he talks. I love how he dresses. I love his show. I love his yeah, views on the world. You can call us liberal snowflakes all you want. I'm going to tune in every day or, or every week and watch his show. I think he's great. <laughs> we are loyal fans. We are loyal fans. Um, and I think... It's it's sad that this comedy show, this half an hour comedy show once a week on HBO, has some of the most in-depth exposés on television and news. What the thing that I really like about that show is that John Oliver and and probably the writers too. I'm sure he doesn't he can't take all the credit, but they have a way of describing certain political things each each episode has like a an expose on a a particular political uh system it's not even political really though i mean he did he did an expose on dialysis that's true so whatever whatever they're talking about that episode he really puts it into layman's terms with a comedic twist but he does it doesn't sound like he's dumbing anything down he's he is just explaining it to you without the legal jargon right and with humor. Yeah. So I really appreciate that. I'm so, sure it's very hard to do. Yeah. So last week he took on Cole. Um, and I did see that episode, but I didn't see that he was getting sued. Yeah. Um, the segment, which was viewed 4.5 million times on YouTube, because they do put that expose section up on YouTube. They don't put the whole show, but just that section. Devoted several minutes to uh, Robert Murray, of the CEO of Murray Energy and a vocal champion of the coal, coal industry. Oliver told the audience that Murray had warned him that he would sue and bring the case all the way to the Supreme Court if he failed to cease and desist any effort to, quote, defame, harass, or otherwise injure Mr. Murray or Murray Energy. Oliver then went on to compare Murray to a geriatric Dr. <laughs> Evil and spoke of 
and spoke of his handling of a 2007 mine collapse in Utah that left six miners and three rescuers dead. Murray blamed the mine collapse on an earthquake, a claim that no evidence is, there is no evidence to back it up. Oliver went on to acknowledge that Murray would probably sue him and that he stood by everything he said. He ended the segment with a man in a squirrel costume offering Murray a check for three acorns and 18 cents. The check was made out to Eat Shit Bob and had Kiss My Ass written in the memo line. This referred back to Murray's willingness to give miners an incredibly small bonus for increasing their workload and possibly putting them in more danger. Murray's energy complaint referred to Oliver, who was British, as a foreign national res residing in New York. <laughs> The company, in a separate statement, called Murray a patriotic American. The lawsuit also described Murray as seriously ill, saying he depends on an oxygen tank, needs a lung transplant, and, quote, does not expect to live to see the end of this case, end quote. More quotes, nothing has ever stressed him out more than his vicious and untruthful attack, the complaint said, adding it has caused significant emotional and physical distress. Bullshit. Um... Yeah. Maybe he's got health issues because of the coal. Maybe he yeah, doubtful he's ever been in one of his coal mines. <laughs> <laughs> um, the coal, the the actual expose touched on Murray, but it actually took on the entire coal industry, not just this CEO. But he knew going into it that this particular CEO, who had sued several newspapers, including the I think I think including the New York Times couple of local newspapers in the New York Times. The New York Times case is still in court. The couple of local newspapers dropped their story because they can't afford to they can't afford to actually fight the lawsuit. Um, I'm here, glad that John Oliver <laughs> you know understood the warning and, and, uh, and the consequences and still persisted. Yeah, here he's got HBO to back him up. HBO's lawyers to back him up and they've got Game of Thrones. So you're, you're gonna so lose. somebody's going to be carried off by a dragon. You're going to lose, Robert Murray. It's probably best that you take your oxygen tank and go home. He might not lose, but they might just drag it out in court until somebody. I the, actually gives up. nothing he said was unfactual, was not truthful. It, it really, this is what the guy said. There's nothing to back up his claim that there was an earthquake. Um, he did offer bonuses to people to work faster and longer, and the bonuses were pittance. The, uh, the itch, Eat Shit Bob and Kiss My Ass were actually miners writing that on their bonus checks and sending them back to Murray Energy. Holy shit. So, <laughs> oh, man, that so, has got to hurt. Yeah, was, that is not just an intern at some TV show no. trying to be funny. That, that is your employee. Employees telling you to eat shit. Wow. Um, so we'll see what Mr. Nutterbutter has to say, which was the, the squirrel. <laughs> Later on during the court case. Oh, so. well, in the meantime, somebody needs to get the fuck off Twitter. Trump needs to stay the fuck off Twitter. <laughs> um, this blew up yesterday. Was it yet? Yeah. It was yesterday. This we time. don't know what day it is. It's the 29th of June. <laughs> it was the 29th of June that this came to our attention. In an astounding display of childishness and misogyny, Trump went after Mika Brzezinski, co-host of MSNBC's Morning Joe, Trump lashed out on Thursday morning in a tweet that described Brzezinski as low IQ crazy Mika. Oh my goodness. And claimed that she was bleeding badly from a facelift during a social gathering at Trump's resort in Florida during uh, around New Year's Eve. Again, he attacked her looks. Yeah, of course. And with the bleeding, again, with the bleeding. He's got a problem. He's got an issue He's with women. Serious, serious <laughs> issues against women. Yeah. 
Um, I have a comment to make at the end of this that I saw just I saw just some nasty, nasty comments online. Yeah, so about, did I. And I, I also have a couple of comments to make. But uh, um, The yeah. White House did not explain what prompted the outburst, but a spokeswoman said Ms. Brzezinski deserved a rebuke because of her show's harsh stance on Trump. Incidentally, that spokesperson was Huckabee's daughter, who, okay. who's now running some press conferences instead of Sean Spicer, who apparently was too fat for Steve Bannon. Um, but the ah. idea the <laughs> idea of a woman getting up there and saying, well, she deserved this because, you know, she was mean. Yeah. Um, Mr. Trump's inve- Mr. Trump's invective threatened to further erode his support from Republican women and independents, both among voters and on Capitol Hill, where he needs negotiating leverage for the stalled Senate health bill, which we'll get into. My first reaction was that this just has to stop, and I was disheartened because I had hoped the personal ad hominem attacks had been left behind, that we were past that, said Senator Susan Collins, a moderate Republican from Maine, who was a crucial holdout on the effort to repeal the Affordable Care Act, said in an interview. I don't think it directly affects the negotiation on the health bill, but it is undignified. It's beneath the president of the United States, and it's just so contrary to the way we expect a president to act, she said. People may say things during a campaign, but it's different when you become a public servant. I don't see it as undermining his ability to negotiate legislation, necessarily, but I see it as embarrassing to our country. Okay, first off, call it what it is. Don't do shit like this. Don't say, oh, it's undignified, but it's not going to hurt, you know. It's not going to hurt us hurting other people. It's not going to hurt legislation. It's not going to hurt us talking to them. It's just so undignified. Call it what it is. This is, this is, this is just horrible. (laughs) This is not beneath the president of the United States. It's beneath the average person sitting at his freaking dinner table. Why are we attacking a woman that's, that he's, he's like accusing her of having a facelift that's, She's fresh off of the surgical table, I guess. And you know what? But and what about his wife? Not only that, his daughter reconstructed her entire freaking face. Um, and that's beside the point. So what? She's in television. Right. That's almost, I can almost guarantee you that Joe Scarborough, her, her co-host, has had facelifts. I, you know, every I just think he person needs in to television look, has probably had a facelift. He really needs to look in the mirror before he casts harshful judgments on somebody else's looks. He just doesn't care. That's, you know, he thinks he's just the most... As a narcissist, he doesn't see himself as the rest of us see him. Right. He sees him, you know, as as his best... As this golden boy, as this just virile, The best he's ever looked in his life. Yeah. And trust me, you don't, dude. Several other moderate Republicans also expressed dismay and disgust. Senator James Lockford, Republican of Oklahoma, said, The president's tweets today don't help our political or national discourse and do not provide a positive role model for national dialogue. No shit. Ms. Brzezinski responded by posting on Twitter a photograph of a box of Cheerios with the words, Made for little hands. A reference (laughs) to a longstanding insult about the size of president's hands. MSNBC said in a statement, It's a sad day for America when the president spends his time bullying, lying, and spewing petty personal attacks instead of doing his job. Yeah, and her boss, the head of NBC, also tweeted that he never thought he'd see the day where it was beneath his dignity to respond to the president of the United States. I saw that. 
Mr. Trump's attack injected even more negativity into a capital marinating in partisanship and reminded weary Republicans of a political fact that they would rather forget Mr. Trump has a problem with the half of the population more likely to vote. That's us women. Um, on Facebook, I have had several discussions on this. Oh, you have? Yeah. I've missed those. <laughs> um, <laughs> they haven't been on my wall. Oh, they haven't been no. on your wall? Oh, no. Okay, that's how I missed them. Um, but in one instance, someone began the conversation with, she deserved it. I kind of... <laughs> the comment that, that just drove me up the wall was something that I read. It was, there's the article, right? And mm -hmm. then people can log in and post their comments about it. So it, this was one of those. Um, and I don't know the gender of the person, but the person wrote, at least when Trump is misogynistic, he's logical about it. No. I'm sorry? No. What? Misogyny is not logical in the slightest. Misogyny is never logical. Never and logical. when is Trump logical? I, never. I, I, this is a what? This is a tweet that happened like at 5 o'clock in the morning based on absolutely nothing. Is Morning Joe critical of Trump? Yes. But they are a right-wing-leaning show. You can't tell me Joe Scarborough is a liberal. He's not. He was a Republican in Congress. He's been very right-wing on his show. And yes, they're critical of Trump. It's about time somebody on the right was critical of this dude. <laughs> but he doesn't go after Joe. He goes after Mika. <laughs> and, and the attitude is, well, she deserved it because she's on this show. If your president is so weak-willed that he's getting his little fifis hurt by a morning <laughs> morning talk show host what the fuck is he gonna do with north korea <laughs> that just cracks me up little peepees this, and that's what it's like him sitting on his toilet at five o'clock in the morning my is hurt and oh, he like did what is it what is it gonna take guys what is it i i, I really I hope know. that we have some republican but even people this. listening to this show and what you need to do to get if you want to become famous or or rich or heroic what you need to do is convince all the republicans around you to overthrow trump this dude is not good for your party he and is he's not, not good, good for your for party country this is you know, I, I don't personally, I don't think he's going to make it to the 2020 election. I don't think he is either. And I hope it's because of one of you people finally getting it through your head that, wow, this dude is off his flipping rocker. I think a lot of people do realize that. A lot of people, I think there's a few camps. So a lot of people, in my opinion, get that he's batshit crazy. Yeah. But they don't care. Because, because they think he's a puppet and somebody else is running the show and they're okay with that facade. Then you, I think, you have another camp of people that are just as crazy and they are happy to see him being so honest. Yeah. That's I, what I hear. He's, I so said this, he's so honest. I said this yesterday in a conversation and I totally agree with it. There is a camp of Trump followers that would gladly eat a bowl of dog shit if they felt that the liberal would be offended by their breath. Right. They don't care. They, they're they very much, they don't want to care about what's best for the country, but they are highly offended by liberals. And they don't care if they are hurt. 
right. oh, well, he's taken all my, you know, he's going to take my Medicaid away. <laughs> well, at least those brown people don't get it either. Right. It, you know, until they get that hospital bill in the mail, it's not going to be real to them because it's going to be somebody else's is somebody else is going to be hurt by it. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Yeah. So uh, prove me, prove us wrong. And God, please some prove of, us wrong. Some of you uh, that are poli politically affiliated, I mean, get your name out there and start a start vote. an upthrow. Just vote. Just fucking vote, please. Yeah, just fucking vote. Yeah, we had <laughs> two elections in Georgia and South Carolina, and yes, they were both won by Republicans, but it was in a very close. Both of them were very close races when they weren't supposed to be. Um, and I think that's kind of hopeful that yes, the Republican won, but she won by four, by three percent in a state that Trump took by twenty. It's like, and the Supreme Court is overturning gerrymandering. Yeah. So, <laughs> and that is that right there is a death knell because that's how they're holding power right now. It's not because the majority of people in this country want Republican in the White House. They, they don't. don't. It's, and I don't think that we should be all Democrat either. No, I don't think... I think, I think in order to run this country fairly, that there should need, be an even mix. You, should, you need an even mix, and you need, you know, both parties... Represented. You don't, yeah, you don't need one party <clears throat> controlling all three branches of government, which is what you have now. It's not doing them even a bit of good, however, because they even controlling all three branches, they're not getting anything done. <laughs> which... In a way, I'm very grateful for, because if they were getting shit done, we would be in a lot of trouble. Well, they got a travel ban done. Eh, but it was limited. It was limited. It was limited. Um, they didn't sign the Paris Act. No, but again, you have... Some states you, are... You have states yeah. that you're going, you don't want to sign it, that's fine, we'll do so it anyway. So they are trying, I'll say. They're trying to... Um, they're trying. Build a wall. <coughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Not gonna happen. All right, let's go to the next topic. Philandro Castile verdict. Um, so this happened last year. Castile was pulled over um for a faulty taillight, and because in the the words of one of the, the police officers, he looked like a robbery suspect. I don't know how you judge that oh, just from a moving car. Skeezy. Skeezy. Yeah. But uh Geronimo Yanez, the Minnesota police officer, a Minnesota police officer, fatally shot Castile during a traffic stop last year. He was found not guilty of second-degree manslaughter Friday. He was also acquitted of two counts of intentional discharge of a firearm that endangers safety, and I'm going to get back to that charge in a moment. Castile had been pulled over for a faulty taillight. Castile informed the officer that he was legally carrying a firearm. The officer told Castile to get his ID and then told him not to reach for the weapon and then shot him five times. When he moved. Um, Castile's girlfriend and four-year-old daughter were passengers in the oh car. Oh, gosh. Castile's girlfriend, Diamond Reynolds, started filming the incident immediately after Castile was shot. Castile can be heard saying he was not reaching for his weapon, but for his wallet, as instructed. Yanez said he feared for his life and that he didn't want to shoot Castile. Prosecutors portrayed Yanez as a nervous officer who lost control of his traffic stop. Oh no God. shit. He was too quick to pull the trigger after learning Castile had a gun, based on an unreasonable suspicion that he was a robbery suspect, they said. Yanez's lawyers alleged Castile had been smoking marijuana the day of the shooting, 
which they said affected his judgment. Okay, first off, if you're smoking pot, the last thing in the world you're going to do is try and shoot at an officer. Maybe offer him Doritos, but you're not going to shoot at an officer. Yeah, I don't know anybody that gets violent tendencies no, from, from uh, smoking pot. No. Second, this guy had a permit to legally carry. Right, and he followed the protocol. And he followed the which protocol, is, which is when you get pulled over, you, you inform let. them because yes. you don't want a cop finding a weapon on you <laughs> without you and telling him, "I have a legal permit for it." And this is this is one of those things where we have this tipsy, we have this topsy turvy. Um, we are expected as the populace when a police officer is freaking out and throwing a gun in your face, we are expected to remain completely calm. And do exactly what we're told in the manner we're told to do it, or we'll get shot. And that is the excuse. Shot to death. Yeah. Not, not shot. Not just shot. He fired seven times into this car with a four-year-old in the five. back seat. Now he fired seven. He shot him five times. He hit him five times. His, so his gun holds seven. How bullets. many bullets? It's it's a semi-automatic. No, uh, that is that shit needs to change right yeah. there too. Um, but he fired seven shots, five of which hit Castile. With a four-year-old in I'm the back. I'm sure at close range because he's at, yeah, yeah, at the, the gun window. is at the window. Yeah, yeah. So if you're fearing for your life and you think this dude is going for a weapon, would you not back the fuck away from the window? <laughs> Dude's in his seatbelt. You have, you have another officer on the other side of the car. All you need to do is take three steps back and he, you are out of his range. It, this to me, this was open and shut. But they, they charged him with secondary manslaughter which they knew he was going to be found not guilty because that's incredibly difficult to prove because there's intent there. It should have been involuntary. But the thing that, that just guts me is that he was acquitted of two counts of intentional discharge of a firearm that endangered safety. There was a four-year-old in the fucking backseat of this car. There was a four-year-old in the backseat of this car. And that four-year-old is damaged forever. Yeah, how did you not endanger her safety? By firing into this car, uh, at point I mean, psychologically range. damaged. Yeah. She, she just watched her father. Yeah, and then they pulled those two out of the car and put them in the back seat of a police vehicle. Oh no, I, I probably would have lost my life that night too. I would have been. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't have had the, my right frame of mind. But there are people who will excuse this and excuse this and excuse this. But well, he was reaching for something. He was told to reach to give to get his ID. You know, does he reach for his ID or do he, does he, you know, if he doesn't move, he's not following orders. If he moves, he's not following orders. <sighs> we see more and more of these yeah, police shootings where police are shooting civilians to death with a racial bias Usually about it. Usually yeah, granted, this, you know, but the officer's not white, he's Mexican. That doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, it happens with a black officer yeah. and a black civilian. Uh, we see more and more of these shootings, and then we see them go to court, and then and they just see, let off, and we see them get let off too. Yeah, and it really, it more than breaks my heart. I don't have to have discussions with my child about how to behave with with a police officer. With a police officer, we have that that white privilege. Yeah, and I have so much more respect and value for human life to 
to continue to see this go on, and I don't even know what to do. I know. What do you do? What do you do? I, I can't look at every police officer like he or she is a killer. I can't. I, I don't look at every minority group like they are robbers deserving or, of uh, yeah or gonna attack you with whatever's at hand right or is you know they're stoned out of their mind or they're they're on drugs or they're drunk or whatever and it just it seems to me yes there are a few bad apples but all of those good apples don't seem to be doing too much to keep those bad apples off the force. And then once they get prosecuted, I mean, I would think the best way to prevent these instances from happening in the future are having the photographic video mm-hmm. evidence. Yeah, body and cams. And then those court cases showing consequences be served right. in a fair manner. If, we, if you keep on having these verdicts come up not guilty... Why wouldn't you? Why would you not want the bad apples out of the bushel? And, well, don't replace them with more with people. More bad that, cops. And have some sort of sensitivity training or something. I you mean, would think, Jesus. yeah, or anything. You know, how to defuse a situation. We, we, as the populace, should not be the ones that have to talk down a cop with a gun to keep them from shooting us. No. Um, yeah, that's not our job. <laughs> So, our last story of the day, um, no vote in sight for the health care bill, <laughs> which I think is a good, good thing to go on because it's actually good news, in my opinion. Um, senators started to leave Washington for the holiday recess on Thursday with no compromise for the GOP health care bill. The GOP's attempt to repeal and replace former President Obama's Affordable Health Care Act now seems in jeopardy. Days after facing a backlash from within their own party, GOP leaders had been considering reaching out to moderates by keeping Obama's increase, like Obama's tax increase on wealthier people's investments and retreating on cuts to the poor and elderly. Mitch McConnell's decision to postpone the vote, which he had hoped would occur before the holiday recess, was a stunning twist, raising the idea that the demands from conservatives and moderates may be irreconcilable. Um, It says something that, you know, they have to consider keeping tax increases on wealthier people's investments and, you know, possibly retreating on cuts on the poor and the elderly, you know. Um, that's, that's a sad state of affairs. Maybe we shouldn't cut those poor and elderly people's benefits quite so much. The legislation introduced last week, crafted in secret and pushed toward a vote without a public hearing, would repeal major pieces of the ACA and carve deep cuts into Medicaid. The Congressional Budget Office estimated that the bill would increase the number of people without health insurance to 22 million over the next decade. The agency released a new report that forecasts the GOP plan to restructure Medicaid payments beginning in 2025 would result in dramatically deeper cuts in the following decade. By 2036, the federal government would spend 35% less on Medicaid than under the current law. After the House vote last month, Republican congressmen and women faced hostile crowds at their town halls with constituents enraged at their decision to repeal the health care law. Over the 4th of July recess, Republican senators are expected to be greeted with protests and rallies in their district by constituents urging them not to support this plan. So, yeah, they're going home to some angry people. Um, I think this is a good thing that they didn't vote on this. 
I think it is embarrassing that this was crafted behind closed doors, that it was not given a public hearing, that you were given 24 hours to read it um, before voting on it. And they should be embarrassed by how just miserable this act is. And it is, it's miserable. It proposes deep cuts to Medicaid. Um, it gives tax breaks to the wealthiest Americans. Trickle down doesn't work, but, you know, they can say trickle down all they want. They don't really care. They're just looking for, you know, tax breaks for themselves. They don't, they're not going to trickle that money anywhere into, but into their, you know, offshore accounts. It's just, this was just poor legislation. And it says something that the party that has control over three branches of government can't, they can't get this passed. It's so bad that their own party won't let them pass it. <laughs> it is bad. It is pretty shitty. It's very shitty. And why fuck with something that's already... You know, the, is, is the Affordable Health Care Act perfect? Fuck no. No, it's not perfect. It's not. <laughs> They've had eight years to propose something. And this is what they came up with, which is, hey, let's cut the poor and the elderly even more and cause 22 million people to go off their insurance and um we'll just give tax breaks to wealthy people yeah that's a great plan that's a great plan and we just won't let anyone read it or know what we're doing <laughs> this was their great yeah, this no. was their great plan Meh. eight years and this is what they came up with and their own their own party granted you've got you know assholes like ted cruz that don't think it goes far enough <laughs> <laughs> why don't you just oh, you know cruz why don't you just Go shooting the elderly. <laughs> Make them a, an endangered species or something that you can go hunt or something, Ted. Yeah. It's just, yeah, this is poor legislation, and I'm glad that they didn't, have the, they didn't have the votes to actually vote on it. Me too. So go home and get yelled at, and I hope they yell at them a lot. They deserve to, they deserve to face the constituents that they're going to kick off of health. And they're going to remove their health care. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that. the end of episode 13. Yes. Um, we will be back on July 15th with some more news. Hopefully not as many tweets from Trump. <laughs> I don't think he's going to get the fuck off Twitter. I don't think he's going to get the fuck off Twitter. He was, he was, there was a, an article today that stated that he was running around the White House because um, he had he had tweeted something about North Korea and he was actually running around the White House asking everybody if they had read his tweet and what they thought of it. Because <laughs> that's an important thing for the President of the United States of America to do. Wow. Well. With that, we bid you adieu. I am CJ. I don't even think we introduced ourselves. We, did, we, did. we, we didn't say our names, but we introduced the <laughs> podcast. That's what's really important. Yeah, that's the important part. I am Mia Davis. And we are out of our skull. And we will see you in two weeks.